Hello, my friends, and welcome to this edition of the New World Kirtan Podcast. It's Monday, September 2nd, 2013. I'm Kitsy Stern, and I host and produce the show as an act of love and service to our Kirtan community. It's also an audio journal of my spiritual journey through the practice of singing and playing Kirtan. I don't usually do the yoga classes at Bhakti Fest, but I knew Saul David Ray was one special yoga teacher from the comments of my buddies. Several come to the festival early or they stay late to take his intensives. I've always enjoyed Saul's kirtan, but it wasn't until I was able to record his intensive at the Denver Chant Fest that I got what my friends were talking about. Saul's Atma Yoga is heart-centered and holistic, and the room was packed for his workshop last February in Denver. Saul and I talked about many things. His time as a music producer in LA, how kirtan helped him bridge the world between yoga and music, his time in India, and being on the Bhakti Yatra and learning the Chamdas past. There are sweet, unexpected moments, such as Saul reading a poem Sham translated, and an impromptu a cappella chant. It was a beautiful, mellow conversation, and I hope you enjoy it also. Well, this is the last podcast before Bhakti Fest West. I don't think we'll be able to live stream this time. I'll talk more about that in the wrap-up podcast. The tribe is gathering, and it's time for me to pack. Next time from the Bob, dear hearts. Until then, namaste. Saul, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's a pleasure to be able to talk to you. Thank you, Kitsy. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm happy to be here with you also. Yes. You know, um, I've been hearing about your classes for years because my friends, my Bhakti buddies, they actually come to Bhakti Fest a day early or they stay a day late, depending on when your intensive is. So they can take your intensive. And, and um, that really piqued my interest because, um, you know, not too many people will do that. You must be a very special yoga teacher. So I'd just like to talk to you a little bit about um, your philosophy about yoga and kirtan and where that's taking you in your life these days. Wow, uh, that's such a, that's a big question. Um, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, it kind of began when I was, um, when I was in high school. Um, there was a Buddhist monk that showed up in my living room. And uh, he was a friend of my father's, and uh, I had never met anybody like that. Uh, he was actually an American, but he'd been a monk for many years, and uh, he had big ears and big eyes and, and the biggest heart I'd ever seen. And, um, you know, I started spending time with him, and he was actually the first one who taught me. Uh, he was also a yogic adept, and he he'd been in India many years, and you know he'd learned classical yoga and chanting um, of mantras, not so much kirtan, but chanting of mantras. And but his path was as a Buddhist monk, and so he was my first teacher, and I would spend you know time with him, and he would begin to teach me things. And when I was in my early twenties, I I left the music business because it was um, I was literally you know burning up. Uh, so I needed a life change, and I went to live with him, and, and that's when I really, you know, went deeply into uh, the yogic path. Um, and I, you know, just over the years, I've, I've had the the blessing to be with many teachers, lived with, you know, my teachers. Um, 
I had been doing yoga for many years before I took a, a formal yoga class. It wasn't actually, you know, until I came back to the States after living in Asia. Um, and I experienced a yoga class in LA, <laughs> which, which blew my mind. Um, but I, you know, I guess, you know, the, the question you asked about, you know, just the style and, you know, how it's, you know, guided my life path. Um, I feel very lucky in that, you know, yoga gave me my life. I, I don't, uh, really think that I had a choice so much. I just went into it. It, it appeared and it felt right. And I had, a, I had a, actually had before I went to live with him and, um, actually no, it was after I went to live with him in the ashram. I, I had a, um, kind of a shamanic death experience. It's a long story, so I won't go into it, but essentially I, I had a brain abscess, um, and I was operated on, and uh, that moment, some part of me died, and that's when I went to Asia, and it, it was actually an amazing experience because it allowed me to completely change the, the course of my life. And, um, you know, kind of from that point, um, my life was completely committed to, you know, this journey without even realizing it. And so I've been very blessed along the way to be with, you know, different teachers, um, you know, my heart teachers or root teachers and live with them, spend time with them. And uh, I really feel that, you know, it's, I, I'm sharing their teachings. The only thing is, is that, you know, I, I've had to live them myself and experience them. And so they just come through me and in my own way. And that's what Atma Yoga is, you know, Atma in Sanskrit means the soul, the inner self. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to create another, you know, brand or anything like that. It's just simply the yoga to allow one to find one's own heart and to be in that connection to the self. And that from there, everything then takes its natural course. So, you know, that's... That's really, you know, what it is. It, it's it's influenced my, you know, my deepest influences have been uh, the tantric tradition. Um, also, of course, bhakti, and you know, bhakti and tantra are really, you know, the essence of tantra is the essence of bhakti. It's devotion to all of life, hmm. connection in that way to all of life as love. Um, so those two schools, and I've also, you know, spent a lot of time with the shamans. Um, and classical yoga, of course. Um, but for me, you know, really, I guess more than any other thing, is about the heart. And, you know, when we look at all of these ancient teachings, you know, from not only the yoga tradition, but many of these sacred traditions, they all speak to the importance of the heart. Yes. To really know yourself is to know your heart. So for me, you know, there are so many ways we can do yoga and, and so many practices. And we all do it in our own way, and we're drawn to the teachers that we need. But for me, it really is about the heart, and, and that's also why, you know, so much I love the, you know, to do the kirtan, because that's, for me, the, the great practice of just diving into the heart. The key is that you just bring the more, every time you open, every time you chant, every time you meditate, every time you fall in love, it has the power to open you more and more so that love flows through you in the other moment. So when your beloved comes and tells you something very not so nice, maybe I'm leaving you or I'm angry with you or whatever it is, that you can stay present and breathe. Or the stock market goes down or whatever it is, because life goes this 
the heart of a bhakta always wants to go back to the love. The stronger your practice is, the more you'll be able to get back to your heart in difficult times. Please don't feel you have to be perfect. I, I can't tell you how many times over the years people come to me and they said, you know, I was doing my yoga very, you know, some form, doing my yoga very nicely, felt so good, and then my relationship broke. Or I went through a depression or anger. What's wrong with me? It's not all, as my friend says, unicorns and champagne. It's not. We should work sometimes. Isn't that nice? I, I found something out about you at Midwest Bhakti Fest that I didn't know, and that was that you and Dave Stringer were good friends, and that you are our good friends, and that you produced his first three CDs. Was that is that correct? Well, the the first two, and um, and then I can't remember if he had another one. We we did one that got scrapped because of just timing and life and. And some eight years later or something like that, he called me and said, hey, we're going to release this, which is his current one. I think oh, Ojas, right. Yeah, Ojas, yeah. right. Uh, which, honestly, I haven't even heard since we mixed it in 2008. So I'm, I'm tracking that down. But um, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, Dave and I go way back. We actually go back to, uh, he has a, a cute little story about it, but uh, I just, when I met him, I just had this intuition that we were, going to do stuff together and I walked up to him and I said you know you're my new best friend and uh, <laughs> he said oh really <laughs> uh, and basically we just started I invited him to come to my class and um, start doing kirtan now this was in 1998 in Los Angeles at Yoga Works and you know you, you almost had to to get people into a kirtan like you know mug them and bring, bring, <laughs> tell them something else because um, people didn't really know what it was right you know? right and, but we started working together, and we, you know, would do these these classes that were a mixture of kirtan and, and yoga, and really, you know, bhakti infused. And lots of people came, and it was really an amazing thing. We started traveling together. Also, Sean Korn and I used to t teach together, and we also took Dave with us. And you know, uh, but Dave is is much too humble. You know, he, he he gives a lot of credit to me for that. But you know, I mean, obviously, Dave is. You know, I mean, Dave is a phenomenal being and talent, and his music is, you know, is incredibly powerful. So it's good association, you know. Yeah, Dave has been uh, a huge supporter of the podcast almost since the beginning, and um, he. <laughs> we had been chanting to CDs, which is in Corvallis, because there was no live kirtan. There was no, really no live kirtan even up in Portland. It still isn't really, and um, and so. Uh, I don't know how. I guess I I was I had an email correspondence with him and I said I've never seen a live kirtan and he said, "Well, my god, you got to see a live kirtan. I mean, kirtan, you can't just get the experience by chanting to CDs." So he <laughs> said, "You know, come on up. You you can be my guest at at this Portland concert that we're giving." And so it was actually um Many of us from Corvallis, we went up to see him. We took a group up, and uh, many of us, first time we ever saw live Kirtan was Dave's. And um, oh, well. that's the thing about Dave that's amazing is is just the way that he makes it accessible for people. You could be from anywhere, and he just breaks it down, and you can go right into it. And so he's, I mean, to me, you know, he's he's one of 
the great pioneers of this. I mean, of course, you have Jai and Krishna Das and Bhagavan Das and Sham Das, who, you know, since the 70s have been doing this. Dave came to it later, but I, I remember Dave would, you know, he used to finance these Kirtan tours on his Amex. And, you know, it was, I mean, it was not a profitable thing in those days. He did it because it was com he was committed to that path and he loved it. And so, you know, he, he traveled, I mean, since, you know, since 1998, he's, wow. he's been on the road doing yeah. it. So, yeah. that's, pretty cool. Yeah, and, and that's, that's the dedication that sometimes this, um, this practice can inspire in people. Um, exactly. I see it, you know, across the board with people who are, who are dedicating their lives to this because they see the difference that it makes in people's lives. Right. And um, it's pretty... <laughs> Cool. So, working in the music business in LA, were you in Los Angeles when in the music business, and you were getting pretty burned out, huh? So that so that prompted yeah, the whole. I, I, yeah, I, I kind of um, my father, you know, I came to it through my father. My father, he was a big influence on in my life in many ways. But he, um, he he's, uh, he's he left the body in 2012, but he's he's still with me. Um, his. His early life, he was a jazz musician and a copier and an arranger in England. And then he left the music business and he always loved it. And, you know, he essentially made some money and he wanted to build a recording studio. So he did it on the beach in Malibu, you know, basically turned a condo into a recording studio. And everyone said, you know, you can't do it, you can't do it. And he built an incredible studio. I was, you know, I was about 14, 15 when this was happening. And it was a world-class studio, and you open the control room doors onto the beach. Wow. And I was this little rat, you know, and I, I would uh, sneak in in the middle of the night and put up mixtapes. You know, the artist actually didn't know it. It was kind of a cheeky thing to do, but, <laughs> you know, when you, you know, <laughs> when, you're, when you're young and you, you know, you just find a way to do it. And so that's how I learned to engineer. And, um, and so I, and then I started, you know, working with people, and I basically was you know recording engineer by the time I was 17 and I did it you know until I was about 22 um, non-stop worked with a lot of different bands and worked you know producing and different things and I loved it but the lifestyle was it wasn't yogic yeah and even the music you know and it so for me you know I, I had to leave it because the yoga was was calling and I, I went deeply into that and, and it was actually through Kirtan that I've been able to bridge the two worlds, the two things that I love. Hmm. You know? mm -hmm. so it's through the kirtan and you know being in India and hearing the devotional music in India, which it just you know just blew my heart up, and it was like wow. And that that consciousness, yogic consciousness in the music itself, you know, transforms. And so that was really. Um, that's really beautiful, and that's actually why I do kirtan. As you know, I don't have a, a record out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, I've been doing this for some years, and I'd I'd love to at some point. And it's just you know, with the teaching and you know, with other things, I've you know been busy. Um, but I kind of do this on the side. I don't travel always doing kirtan. I do it just because I I love it, and um, and I get to play with all these amazing musicians, and you know, nothing takes me deeper. <laughs> Till you make 
take it. Mother, under my feet. Under my feet. Mother, I feel your heart. One more time. Mother, Sing to your mother. Sisters, sister. Um, when you say you're going to Atlanta on Thursday um, and you're going to be playing Kirtan there, and are you also going to be doing Atma Yoga classes? Yeah, that, that's mainly, you know, what I, what I do when I travel. Okay. I teach. Um, and, of course, you know, we always put a, a Kirtan in there wherever we can. Um, the class on Thursday in Atlanta is, um, I think it's a two-and-a-half-hour session. We weren't able to logistically work out doing a separate class in a kirtan, so we're, we're melting the two together, which we sometimes do. And I have Ian Bocasio and Jeffrey Lidke and Jim Beckwith, they'll all be with me. So we'll have a class for part of the time, and then we'll, we'll go into, a, a, they'll be playing live music for the class, and then we'll go into some kirtan. But it won't be a full kirtan, just because of the time. Right. Well, you know, um, I observed and recorded that class that you did at, at Denver last year, the Denver Chant Fest. And um, I had never seen you teach a yoga class before. And my first impression was, was that uh, your style of yoga uh, teaching is very much earth-based. And there a, a lot of earth-based um, terminology in, in the way you were referring to the postures and things. And is this is is this a large part of what Atma Yoga is about? Um, yeah, and you know the you know there are different lenses that we use in yoga. And so my primary learning has been the Shakta Tantra tradition, and Shakta is really about the mother. And there's no more full embodiment of the mother than the earth. Hmm. And, you know, I really feel that, you know, sometimes, you know, man's spirituality separates him from the earth. It becomes the, you know, as, uh, what, what is, uh, uh, thinking of Shakespeare when he says, you know, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than dreamt of in your philosophy. Right, yes. Sometimes we, we 
conceptualize God, we idealize God as a certain form and forget to see the divine that is in all forms in front of us. I think Yogi Bhajan said, if we can't see God in all, we can't see God at all. And for me, where it's so important to uh, make the yoga connection is in our own bodies and with the earth and with each other. And, you know, if we really are to go forward, I mean, we're in, we're in quite a place right now as a collective human family and the earth. And to really come back into the, the consciousness of respecting the mother, honoring the earth, grandmothers, women, daughters, but also our own inner feminine. And so it is a big part of the way that I've learned and I feel very important. Um, but as with anything, it's a balance. It's a balance. So for me, the two emphases are really uh, on the heart itself as the place that you feel connection, you feel yoga and then also to the energies of earth and sky. So in, in Tantra, we, we use the metaphor of Shiva and Shakti. You know, Shakti is earth and you know form and power and embodiment, and Shiva is consciousness, the infinite. And where those two meet is yoga, is life. Hmm. I love that class. I really did. I, 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 and it was very crowded, and um, and and you did kirtan in conjunction with that. So it was it was kind of unusual because you were teaching, and you were also singing, um, and the and the kirtan went on in the background, rhythmically anyway, as you as you were teaching, and and it was it was really very. Um, moving and affected, uh, affecting, and I think the people that were there felt that as well. Yeah. Well, f for me, thank you. I, for You're me, welcome. the music and the yoga are the same. The kirtan, the yoga, because you know we, we we tend to think of you know maybe bhakti yoga is just the kirtan, and then over here you have the hatha yoga, and but they're really um, they all work together, and that was part of my you know connection with Dave and other musicians that you know I work with over the years and it's really you know the when we bring the music into the yoga it gives people this incredible you know it's like another dimension it adds a dimension and then especially when we bring the mantras and kirtan and you know it's, at those gatherings we also will will start we'll sing during the class where we do mantras mm -hmm. and that's the beauty of it you know for me the center of yoga is bhakti whether you're a hatha yogi you're a kundalini yogi, you're, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what style you practice. And this bears out in, in the tradition of yoga itself in India that there are so many different lineages, sampradayas, there are different, you know, traditions and teachings. But bhakti is in the very center because they all recognize the importance of devotion. And I would go as far to say is that the whole Indian darshan, the vision of yoga, is based on a deep love and devotion, which is bhakti, to all of creation. Hmm. Right? I mean, that's really the essence of all the yogas, is that deep love and connection to life, you know, to the cosmos. So for me, you know, they, they work together and people start to open up when the music's happening, when they're chanting, and, you know, I, I, they all work beautifully together. You mentioned that you spent time in Asia. Is this your time in India that you were referring to, or were you in other places besides India? 
Uh, I was in other places. I, I spent quite a long time in Thailand. Um, when I when I first went to Asia, I was there about two and a half years, and I, I wasn't planning on staying that long. And I was in India for a, a good chunk of that time, but um, I spent a lot of time in Thailand, where I learned Thai massage and, and spent time with teachers there. Also learned yoga in Thailand, believe it or not. And um, since then, I, you know, I've been I've probably been to India about ten times, and every mm -hmm. time I go there, I, I feel like I'm home. If I didn't have kids and family here, I would probably be walking around India barefoot somewhere. You know. I've 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 wanted to go to India. It's not like a, this huge desire to go to India, but I've always been drawn to India. And I started doing yoga back in the seventies. Well, no, yeah, seventies, earlier, yes. I guess, because I was doing it in high school. And um, um, but back then, golly, nobody did it, and uh, it was considered to be really weird. But um, but I've always been drawn to India, and and I. I often wondered if I would feel at home. I, I mean, I, I've had that experience before when I was in London. Uh, I lived in London for uh, about six months, and I, it was the oddest experience. I'd, I'd, I would know what was around the corner. Like, I'd be walking down the street, and I would know what I would see when I would turn the corner. And I, I immediately felt at home there, like I, like I belonged there. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that was like path, past life stuff, but... Um, kind of wondered about India too. I, I've, I have heard that in India, it is much easier to be in that, um, in that devotional space, that it's much easier to believe that life is a dream because it is, it, 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 people are more there, 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 there than they are here. And so it's easier. Did you find that? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I, I sometimes describe India this way. It's like, you know, in the West here, we have uh, this infrastructure and order and everything is, you know, appearing very neat and tidy. And underneath we have incredible anxiety and the amount of people on medication and just the disturbances that are happening are, it's more below the surface. In India, it's the opposite. The chaos is completely everywhere. I mean, the moment you get off the plane from you know, 10 lanes of traffic in a two lanes of traffic road <laughs> to mm -hmm. just the smells and the sounds of, you know, massive humanity. But underneath all of that, especially if you can, you know, drop into a temple or you can go somewhere, you know, outside the city, is 10,000 years of devotion. And I, you know, I, I feel like that's India's great gift to the world. The fact that you and I are doing yoga and so many people and that it's spread around the world yoga goes back that far. It goes back well beyond six, seven thousand years. And it incubated there. It was able to be sustained there through this incredible devotion to life. And India is, I mean, you know, India is a mess in many ways as well, just like every other place. But they have this incredible devotion that allows us, when we go there, or anyone when they go there, to fall into that. I mean, I like, for instance, one memory I have is being in Rishikesh, which is an incredible place on the, on, the, on the Ganga River, you know, at the foothills of the Himalayas, and being there in the early mornings, walking down the street as the shopkeepers come in, and the first thing they do, they open the shop, and they sit down, and they light candle incense, and they do to their little shrine in the store, 
they make a puja and make prayers for the day as the day is open. I mean, just, you know, to begin your day in that devotion. And then being at the river in the evening and people all coming together and doing arti. Do you know arti? No. That's, that's basic. Arti means the waving of lights. And it's one of the uh, pujas, the, you know, worship or the ceremonies that we do. And, you know, essentially they worship the river as the Divine Mother Ganga. But to actually see thousands of people praying and honoring the river as a living expression of the Goddess is incredible. And, I mean, you know, imagine us doing that here, you know, coming together. And, <laughs> I was know, just thinking of how unlikely yeah. <laughs> it would be to find something like that here. But it's, but it's happening, though. It's actually happening in very small groups and pockets, you know, because people are coming together. Um, but to me, that's like the, that's another reason about you know just understanding the connection of the earth. If we really remember our connection to life, then naturally we go into bhakti. To me, bhakti is the heart. You know, that's that's the most natural expression of our hearts is love and devotion. And so, anyway, just that you know, India has this you know incredible devotion underneath all of its chaos and so you know it kind of welcomes it'll also test us you know it's a, it's not an easy place to be sometimes but you know the the just the amount of depth that's there to go into is available for everybody were you there on that yatra that last yatra when Sham Das died yeah that was actually Sridhar and I uh, led that group to India and uh, Sham was supposed to meet us. I'm sure you've, you know, you've heard the story and, and that, but... Yeah, but my listeners might not have. Ah, uh, okay. Um, so I, I think, you know, probably if they've listened to your, your podcast, then they, they know who Sham Das is. And sure, yeah. Just in case anyone doesn't, Sham Das uh, went to India in that, you know, can't say first wave, but one of the early waves of the Westerners that went there to be with Neem Karoli Baba, like Krishna Das and Ram Das and Bhagavan Das. And Sham Das actually um, stayed in India. He lived there for about the last 40 years. And out of all everybody, he actually stayed. And he came to the States every year and he traveled. But his main home was in Govardhan, which is just outside of Vrindavan, Krishna's uh, place, where you know the, the, so much of the Krishna community is centered and you know, the stories about Krishna, where he lived. And Sham um, was an incredible being because he was not only, uh, well, he was a, a great scholar. And he spoke Sanskrit. Um, he was able to translate texts. He had an incredible grasp of Indian culture and the history of Indian culture. He also spoke Brajbasi, which is an ancient language of the, the Vaishnav poets. Um, which barely any Indians speak anymore. So he learned this incredible language. But more than anything, and this is what I love so much about Sham, I did a you know a few programs with him in India and spent time with him. And it's just that he was this great bhakta, a lover of God. And just to be around him, you got that. And he was always in that vibration remembering God 
And um, anyhow, we were <laughs> supposed to meet him on this yatra that we did with Bhakti Fest this past January 2013. And uh, there had been this cold streak in India. They said, you know, like a 75-year, 100-year, you know, cold that had, hadn't been there. And so everybody in the north that could afford it went south. And uh, so a group of people went south, and he was down in Goa uh, with some friends where it's nice and warm. And um, coming back from, well, let, let me actually just say it this way. We, we were there waiting for him in Vrindavan. He was supposed to come and meet us. And I got a phone call in the middle of the night from my wife who said on Facebook, there is a, a post that Shamdas has died. He's left the body. What's happening? This was the first that I heard about it. Wow. So this is about 3.30 in the morning, local time in India. So I, in a complete state of shock, I got up and I went upstairs to Sridhar's room and I knocked on his door. And uh, I told Sridhar the news. And first thing that Sri did was he called uh, Mohan, who was, is, was um, Sham's attendant who's been with him for just many years, is literally by his side, you know, looks after his place and Govardhan. Beautiful, beautiful man, an Indi Indian man. And um, so it was confirmed right there. And we, we both sat there and, you know, in the darkness, looking at each other in complete disbelief. And, you know, I, I, I don't, he, Sri won't mind me telling this, but, you know, I, I Sri loves Sham so much and has known him for so long that he just, you know, for a, a, he was shaken, and uh, we both were. I mean, it was incredible. It was just. It was. It was almost like this cannot even be true. It's not possible. Yeah. It was like a dream world. And then slowly the events started unfolding and unfolding, and you know we found out that he had he had passed in a motorcycle crash on his way back from, uh, you know, a satsang, where they'd actually I believe seen a movie on Krishna. And, um, you know, I, I stayed with the group and Sham and his, uh, you know, his beloved Kosibella, they went to go and be at the ceremony that was back in Vrindavan. We couldn't logistically take the whole group there. And, um, you know, really, I mean, I, you know, I could go on and on. I won't. But the, this, you know, we all have our time. And I know Sham would be the first to say that, you know, this is Krishna's Leela and we're just we're here for a short time but the amount that he did in his life and how much you know he was more behind the scenes he wasn't as well known as as KD or as Jai or Bhagavan Das um, but if you ask all of them you know the importance of Sham Das I'm sure they you know can tell you in their own ways they all, all had their own relation with him and you know he was just a he was a magical being and you know, a great loss for our, you know, our kirtan community and, you know, for the yoga world. But this, you know, it's really, we all have the time we have. And um, I was just glad to spend time with him. He used, he used to say to me, I uh, <laughs> hope no one takes this the wrong way, but he, he used to say to me, you know, usually I don't like yoga teachers, but I like you. <laughs> I said, oh. he, he said, you know why? I said, why? He goes, 
because you're a bhakta. I said, okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's very sweet. But he really was, uh, he's a remarkable being. And so anyway, we, we went through this yatra, because this, this happened pretty much in the beginning. We went through this yatra with this whole experience. And even the people in the group that had never met him got to kind of experience him through this, you know, really mystical experience. And then being in India and then, you know, in the connection and actually then being in his home, we all went to his home. And we did, you know, we did a puja there and we sang the Hanuman Chalisa in his place after he'd left the body. We walked around the hill and then, you know, then we were in the Kumbha Mela with uh, Puja Swami Chidanand, who is an, another amazing, you know, being. And we did a, you know, we did a, a fire ceremony for Sham. And, and it's just, you know, it's still going. And even now, like every time I'm at Bhakti Fest especially, um, I, you know, I just feel his presence. And actually, funnily enough, on my desk right here is a book of poetry that he translated by a very, uh, you know, famous in India uh, Vaishnav poet named Rasa Khan, who was, I don't know if it was his favorite poet, but definitely one of his favorite poets. And uh, if you don't mind, I could read a poem. Oh, that would be lovely. They're, they're pretty short. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm just going to open my book up. And uh, so here we are. This is called The Thief. And uh, if, if anyone doesn't know that, the word Hari, when we say Hari is the name of God, Hari means literally the one who steals your heart. So this is a poem called The Thief, translated by Shamdas. Today, as I went off to sell my curds, that enticing Krishna blocked my way and demanded that I give them to him. Then he tasted the essence of my youth, and shamed me. Now how can I fully describe my affliction? That Krishna, the embodiment of all loving moods, stole everything from me and then just laughed and smiled. My friend, I sought protection, but I was alone. That young cowherd boy looted my honor and did with me whatever he desired. That's it. Wow. Yeah. It's a little bit like, uh, you know, as I, I, I love this book, it's, uh, you know, the, the Krishna poetry, maybe some people also will know Mirabai, you know, the great uh, female yogini and saint who, you know, the lens is Krishna, and it's all this ecstatic love poetry to God. Um, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. What a treasure he was. Yeah. You know, I didn't know him very well, um, but it was like the community was in mourning at Shakti Fest, and um, for a beloved uncle, or do you know the reverberation? Like, you guys were in India, and um, I heard about it on Facebook, and it was disbelief. Like we just couldn't, we just couldn't even comprehend that he was gone. And, um, you know, the, the posts on Facebook were like, are you sure? You know, I, and it's still reverberating. It still is reverberating through the community. It was a huge loss. 
Yeah, yeah, it was, and uh, and he left a lot for us. <laughs> yeah, well. he did. He did, and and you know, perhaps in some ways, it's brought the community closer, and it's also brought me personally deeper into the heart of what Bhakti is about because that's what he was about I finally got what he what he was about and I was just start, starting to really discover that it's talk, talking to him about it you know and and then he was gone come on guys sing Sweet Krishna, Sri Krishna Govinda Hare Madhare Enyatana Hare Your soul Sri Krishna Govinda Hare Madhare Enyatana Hare exactly the way they were done in India a thousand years ago. We don't, we don't live in that culture, you know. We have to adapt and allow these practices to be relevant to today, to our lives, to what's going on here, but at the same time not lose the essence. And for me, you know, this is a great debate actually that happens in the yoga world of, you know, the, the traditionalists versus, you know, kind of the, you know, the avant-gardists, you know, the ones that want to do every, you know, kind of recreate it. And to me, it's a middle place. 
There, there has to be a deep honoring and uh, connection to the past, the tradition, the essence of what yoga is, but also that we allow it to be completely, to adapt into this, this time that we live in now. Well, I'd agree, and, and I think it's because I'm coming to it from an, a non-traditional place. Um, I have I have always meditated. I've done yoga intermittently throughout the years, but since the 70s, been pretty steady with both. And um, bhakti yoga, I got into it because I liked the music and I thought it was a great way to meditate. Whoa, you can sing and meditate? I'm in. You know, that's like, that's great. And, um, and that was, that was the basis for me. And it, and it, it sucked me in and it deepened my practice. And yeah, you can get into it for all kinds of different reasons. You like the music, you like to sing, you don't like to meditate, you like to dance, you, you know, the whole fest aspect of bhakti fest, you know, I mean, you can get into it for that. And, and it can also take you to places that you never would have expected. I mean, you know, to me, you know, it's really... I think um, what's really important is that we have to, we all have to do the inner work. And, you know, that's really the heart of what yoga is. Yoga, whether it's bhakti yoga, it's hatha yoga, it's jnana yoga, you know, any of the yogas, it's about inner transformation. You know, there's enough blame in our world to go around. There's enough negativity and people criticizing others and yelling and screaming. But at the end of the day, if we all just worked on ourselves, the world would change. And that's yoga's great message. There's a great uh, teaching from Babaji from India that says, earth peace through self-peace. And by transforming ourselves, we transform the world. And so that's really, you know, the essence, you know, it's one, it's one thing to talk about it, but, you know, to really heal your own anger, to transform your, your lust, your negativity, you know, your doubt, this is the work. Hmm. And so I, I really don't feel in my heart like it doesn't matter what path we follow. It just has to be the right path for us. And so God, you know, they say that, you know, there's, uh, uh, you know, one truth, many forms or one truth, many paths. And we each find our own way home to God. You know, we find our, our way home to source and that connection. And, you know, whether you're a bhakti yogi, a jnana yogi, a karma yogi, whether you're a Christian mystic, a Kabbalist, a druid, a Mayan, you know, God didn't, to me, God didn't pick one path or one people. Yes. We're all, you know, that way. And so you, you find this, these beautiful sacred teachings in all of the places of the earth. And um, that's, that's really what's important. You know. But the basic message is to love. Of all yes. of them, of all of them, and and that's that's like what it it is all reduced down to its basic essence. Every religion is about love and caring for each other, and caring caring for each other because we're all children of the same God. And um, yes, the reason why I continue to go to Bhakti Fest and to the festivals is because to be bathed in that. Yeah, it's yeah. what we're all meant to be bathed in all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, right. it's good to be, it's good to experience that and know that it exists in the world. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, you know, I did want to honor Bhakti Fest as this um, incredible 
gathering, and I, you know, I, I have a perspective of um, being to many gatherings around the planet, including yoga festivals and conferences in India where I've been and and here. And Bhakti Fest is very special. Sridhar, you know, I'm sure. Well, I'm not sure, but maybe some people know Sridhar. Uh, he's the founder of Bhakti Fest, um, and he had this vision many years ago. And you know, Sridhar's you know spent his life deeply devoted to the yoga tradition, um, to bringing many teachers over here from India and from other places. And you know, his great love is Bhakti. And um, of course, many people, you know, Kenneth Schwenker in the beginning helped co-produce the first one, and you know, now his daughter Mukti and his son Seth, and many, many people create this Bhakti Fest. And I have to say that, you know, for me anyway, when I go to this festival, the energy that is there of everybody being there in their collective, you know, heart field, it creates this incredible resonance, what you were just talking about. And, you know, there are a lot of festivals and they're all, you know, great in their own way. You know, I'm not, you know, trying to make a case Bhakti Fest is the best or anything like that, but it, but it's very special, and what makes it special is its deep devotion to the heart of yoga. And when you look at the lineup that you have in this festival, I mean, the yoga teachers, you know, Shiva Ray, uh, I'm gonna get into trouble because I'm gonna leave somebody out, but you know, Siana Sherman, Dharma Mitra, Brian Kest, Elena Brower, Micheline Berry, and on and on and on and on. And then you have these kirtan artists, you know, Krishna Das, Deva Pramal Mitten, Jayatal, Dave Stringer, Wa, and on. Oh, and they're bringing okay. the Kundalini artists in for the first time this year, right. too. And so, you know, it's just, it's, you know, and I, I left out almost everybody because there's so many incredible people coming. But you won't find, I mean, to me, I don't see that anywhere. And yeah. So that, 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 that kind of root chakra that it takes to gather all those people in one place. Um, and if you come to Bhakti Fest, you'll you'll experience it. It's there's nothing like it. And um, you know, and I also think it's all of the you know other gatherings that are happening as well. You know, Bhakti Fest has inspired a lot of them. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, at least you know the ones that are bringing kirtan and yoga together. And mm -hmm. you know, this is how the world changes. You know, I, my linear mind, I can't figure out how we're going to get there. But in my my heart mind, it's through all of the you know these beautiful souls around the earth coming together, and in that coming together, we shift our frequency. We allow the collective consciousness to change, and that's really the only way that it can happen. I, I technology will change the world. That's actually happening, but only love will transform it, and that's the power of bhakti. It's the power of the heart. And so um, I really have to say that, you know, Bhakti Fest has, in just in my own personal life, my association with it has brought me many, many blessings, including meeting Shamdas, including, you know, trips to India, including um, meeting so many people. And um, just being able to be a part of that is a great honor. So. It, it really, it really is. And, um, and it's so great uh, to see 
all the people to see the same people the same people come so you know you you develop bhakti buddies that you see at these yeah. and you know get you get to you know i get to see the artists and we all get to see them perform and and it's true you walk in to bhakti fest and you can feel you can feel it that energy that I, it's and and it's palpable you know i mean it's like the whole place is vibrating and by sunday night <laughs> yeah, 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 it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing. I, so, I've I've been able to do, not every time, but quite a few times, the post immersion. And there's a big difference between the pre immersion, pre immersion, which I've also done, and the post immersion. Um, everybody's just lit up on Monday. Those that stay, <laughs> and uh, it's just on such a high place. And the pre festival is great too because we kind of we get to enter into that wave that's coming as well and uh, it's it's very special oh i love being there early i i was i was there early for the first time at midwest and um it was it was wonderful that that pre-kirtan that ian uh, uh Bichio of blue spirit wheel told me about it and um that you were holding a um a pre uh kirtan on wednesday night and i like out of the hotel room down there you know i just wanted to, to experience it and it was it was so sweet because it wasn't big it was just the people Intimate, who were there early yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was so um you were going to be playing on the main stage at bhakti fest saturday aren't you saturday morning saturday morning yes uh i'll be there it's always such a sweet time early in the morning um at bhakti fest i'm looking i always look forward to your set because it, it it's it's very different it's very, you use you know there's a you use american indian chanting in your kirtan too which is uh-huh. a little bit different and um i i just i just love that and it's perfect for saturday morning it's just the mellowest just really nice vibe and yeah. um i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to seeing you i'm looking forward to being there not too long now i know it's coming quick it it's is well, Saul, I just—it was just such a blessing and a pleasure to get to know you a little bit better today. I just want to thank you so much for your time coming on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, do you mind if I just share a little chant at the end? Absolutely not. I'd love it. And uh, thank you for having me on. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Doing to share, you know, the practice of bhakti yoga and kirtan, and um, we're all very grateful to you as well. So thank you. Uh, uh, the blessings that come from doing this far outweigh the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Believe me. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. And an act of love. Yeah. So this is a, a grandmother chant that uh, you know we've been doing. It's not a traditional kirtan, but it's uh, just a chant that's been, been in my heart and mind. And we, we just did a kirtan at the Bhakti Yoga Shala the other night, and people really uh, enjoyed this. So I'm going to just sing it a cappella and... Um, Thank you so much for uh, being here to everyone. The river is flowing, flowing and growing. The river is flowing down to the sea. Oh, mother, carry me, your child, I will always be. Oh, mother, carry me down to the sea. The river is flowing, flowing and growing. The river is flowing 
down to the sea. Oh, mother, carry me, your child, I will always be. Oh, mother, carry me down to the sea. Durga, Durga, Kali, Ma, Durga, Durga, Ma, Mary, Mary, Kali, Ma, Durga, Durga, Ma, Isis, Isis, Kali, Ma, Durga, Durga, Ma. Oh, I love that. Jai Ma. Jai Ma. Thank you, Saul. Blessings to you. Blessings.